I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 334 of Video Games Hot Dog, the one where we're finally all together again, except for Riff. Hi! Riff, we still miss you. Oh. Are you Jim. ever going to come visit us in San Francisco, Riff? Yeah, I like, uh, I mean, you guys came, for the last last time we did a meeting thing, you guys came out here, so I figure I can go down there for the next one. That makes okay. sense. And it'll be that, nine, that, nine be weeks fair. long, so we can record 11 episodes of Video Games Hot Dog. It's like when a worm crawls from the f- beginning of the A book in the uh, <laughs> dictionary to the end of the Z book. You know those dictionaries that are one book per letter? Yeah, yeah. The Z is real thin. Just a pamphlet, really. It's like a workbook, like a magazine. That's why there's a Z in magazine. Oh. Wait, so there are only 11 letters in this hypothetical dictionary? No, a nine-week period would contain 11 podcast recordings. <laughs> I think it would only be 10. Because <laughs> like a one-week period from Wednesday to Wednesday includes two podcast recordings. Oh, it's right? a fence a post error thing, two, yeah. yeah. A fence post error. Yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's what they call that. That's, that's what they call it when you have a people on a bodybuilder for, forum arguing <laughs> about... Yes, I was just thinking exactly that. Somebody else tell this story because I forget. Oh, it's the every other day versus three times, three days a week right. thing. Right. That was... That was a frustrating thing for me to look at from the outside because I'm like, you know, some people in this are wrong and other people in this are assholes. <laughs> that, <laughs> those, are the, those are the two people here. There are people who are making a totally reasonable mistake and digging in because that's what human nature says to do. If you, if you do something every other day, you're just going to end up doing it three and a half times a week, right? And you'll On just, average, yeah. No, you're not do like it literally. Three, depends depends no, you're on where do it the three times one week and four times the next week and three. Times, I mean, it depends if you're doing right. it at exactly midnight. Hmm. Okay. But on or, average, you're going to do it three and a half times a week. Or you sure. do it like when you're centering something in a typewriter. If you're doing it at midnight, where you like go, you wait till midnight and then you backspace one minute for every two minutes the activity <laughs> is going to take, and then do the activity. So then it would be three and a half times a week. <laughs> yes. Huh. Uh, guys, it's great to be back in San Francisco, the city of lights. Oh, yeah. You've been away for a while. I have. Um, I don't have much else to say about it. We're having, <laughs> some, we're having, some, uh, we're having some whiskey uh, that I'm drinking out of a, uh, a Tequelma County Forestry Service uh, coffee cup, which is, a, which is a gone home merchandise relic. relic. Yeah. And I'm drinking it out of a Kinko's coffee cup. That was uh, wh- the first time I ordered Kingdom of Loathing merchandise. Okay. I ordered bumper stickers printed from Kinko's, and I ordered so many of them that they sent me two coffee cups. How many did you order? And I thought, I've hit the big time. Kinko's. <laughs> you guys, Kinko's himself, Kinko's, has sent me two of his royal coffee cups. <laughs> yeah, this was before they were FedEx Kinko's. Yeah, it was before it was FedEx yeah. Kinko's. We had a Kinko's in my hometown. I won, uh, like, infinite free copies for a month once in their, like, oh, business card fishbowl. Yeah, if, if they had only, like, if it had been 10,000 cop free copies, I would not used, I would not have used nearly as many as I did because as many copies as I wanted <laughs> seemed like a challenge. 
So did you just like? Yeah, I mean, did you just waste them on purpose, or yeah, what? Did, what did you do with this? Kind of, black, yeah. Black we, construction we, paper. we photocopied anything we could think of. We had entire reams of D and D character sheets. We had, we we made a a long series of like of like su- surreal and slightly menacing anti-drug posters to hang up in the school. Ah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can blow them up to any Oh, my microphone is really not Yeah, it's doing a, so hot right he's now. He's a droopy boy. You might want to tighten this. We're 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 still in a we're still in a in a kind of a a jury rigged studio setup. Um man, I miss I miss the Campo Santo guys and I miss the their, their quality studio. office yeah. uh, quality I miss, microphones. I miss first and foremost their quality company mm. and second and submost aftmost <laughs> rear rearmost sternmost their, their quality podcast studio. What's maybe, the opposite of four? Maybe Negative someday four. we'll be uh we'll be wealthy enough to acquire their company again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can buy them back from Valve. Buy Valve. <laughs> I just want you to make anime boobs games. It's, it's too late. I gave you a billion dollars. You have to do what I say. That's that's your Valve voice. <laughs> no, this this is me like imagining myself as a as a Gabe Newell alike. Okay. Do you guys want to see my collection of not? They're not knives. There's something that's like knives, only funny. Funko um, Pops. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Blives. There's something that like knives, only depressing. Like, Funko Pops. <laughs> like a knife. Yeah, like a knife, at least you could use it to gut a fish if the if the end came. The Funko Pops are only going to be good to tell the raiders who the easy targets are. It's your collection of Clives. It's like Clive Owen and... And cloves. Are you, are you thinking about, like, replica samurai swords? Okay, so is it okay. is Clive Barker yep. in my collection, is. or is it the apocalypse before which he changed his name to Blythe Barker? <laughs> and so he's no longer... I bet that YouTube guy who makes chef's knives out of spaghetti could sharpen a Funko Pop pretty good. Oh, yeah. He could probably melt one of those down spaghetti? into it. Spaghetti? Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, and Jello. Oh, they're very good. The Jello cooked. one was very good. Yeah. Th- those videos are extremely satisfying to watch. It's like that and primitive technology. Yeah. Like, and you've got a pro, like, relaxing and just thinking, yeah, playlist. <laughs> I bet I could figure out how to do that if a weird set of circumstances arose that led to me needing to. <laughs> I don't think I could figure out a bunch of the primitive technology stuff in the abstract. Like, Yeah, do you think, how long do you think that if, if I just dropped you off in the forest and said, all right, I'm going to come and get you as soon as you light this signal fire? I could probably light a fire. You don't sound super confident. I don't. Uh, yeah, never tried it. I've seen it happen in movies. Yeah. I've, I've seen it like, happen in person. I've done it I, a bunch with materials yeah, I was, that I already had. Like I, I like a lighter. No, <laughs> like no, no, no. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, all of those things. But like if I had a piece of string that would go a long way towards lighting yeah. a fire. Kevin, ask yeah. me in Coke the scenario if you have a piece bar. of string. Do I have a piece of string? I'm afraid not. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, manufacturing your own cord out of like leaves and stuff is potentially possible, but... Yeah, we're so spoiled by power cords. Yeah. We don't have to do the manual the, kind of The easiest anymore. way to do it would just be, be to wait for a thunderstorm. <laughs> 
Okay, just wait to find some fire? Yeah. Okay. I mean, or like an active volcano. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't specify where. If you got to pick where this forest. challenge took you place. Said forest. It could be a it could be an active volcano in the middle of a forest. Even if I said forest and you got to pick which forest, you could just you could just the stall. One that's on fire. You could just vamp until until one was on fire and then insist that you be placed there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh so I uh, I came back from Arizona and uh, my house was okay. Not on fire. No, it was not on fire. It wasn't full of water. Uh, okay, is it full the, of scorpions? The new roof. Well, the house here was not full of scorpions. They don't have those here oh, I, right. until until I bring a breeding pair that has undoubtedly <laughs> snuck into the stuff I've packed up. To oh, yeah, you've there. just left. You've just left a bunch of boxes. They are all on the floor. Yeah. Uh, when the movers were moving me into that house in the first place. The guy jokingly, after asking me about four or five things, where do you want this X? Where do you want this X? Asked me, where do you want this scorpion? And pointed at a scorpion on the floor. And then we both laughed. (laughs) And then he stomped on the scorpion. And little did you know, that was just the first of hundreds of thousands of scorpions that you'd have to deal with. I, I do worry sometimes. Like, every once in a while, I'll get into my car here barefoot. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of why either. I just remember that it's happened, <laughs> right. and I will think, "Ah, oh, fuck! I hope no scorpions came with me from Arizona the last time." Because I don't know how long it takes a scorpion to die if it is totally deprived of delicious cockroaches, but it's probably more than a few days. Are you arguing that there are no cockroaches here? Not in my car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I okay. I think I can say with relative. You know where I can definitely not say that there are no cockroaches is. Uh, in the the pork store cafe on on Valencia Street, <laughs> it's a very good restaurant. Uh, but I uh, I'm often as I stop there for breakfast on the way to our new office, the very first person in there. And when I go into the bathroom and turn on the lights to like wash my hands before I break my fast, often some cockroaches scurrying away from the light Ugh. as it comes up. Yeah. So you heard it here. Cities have cockroaches in them, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's true. Man, there was, when I lived in Columbus, uh, one, one night I went to the kitchen to get like a midnight snack and turn on the kitchen light and just the entire kitchen floor was carpeted with baby cockroaches. Ah. It was the worst thing I ever saw. I don't, I hate cockroaches so much. I don't know how I didn't just flip my shit at the time. I just, I reached over and grabbed the broom and pushed them all away so I could get to the fridge. And, and but <laughs> if, proud of you, uh, yeah, I, I think I just, it just overloaded my brain and I just shut down and I was like, well, <laughs> this is my playing, life now. <laughs> you had been playing Dwarf Fortress for 48 hours. So you were just entirely on autopilot. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> Why do you hate cockroaches so much? Uh, they're just uh, uh, gross, horrifying, gross. Is it because you associate them with like squalor and and filth, or no? Or are it's, they just like it's fundamentally because worse? Than- of, it's because of imagining stomping on one, and it makes that crunch and the yellow goop that comes out of them, and they probably will run away anyway, and uh. Huh. It's just it's just horrifying. It's just disgusting. You cuz I feel like you're reacting to this the way that I react to the smell of cat piss and it is because I associate it with like terrible experiences in bad places in my youth. 
Hmm. And I and I was wondering because I mean those places probably also had cockroaches in them, but like I mean probably I, yeah, I when I was a little kid I tried to kill a cockroach once and it and it and it didn't was work <laughs> super gross yeah and and that has scarred me for life I don't remember specifically but are you guys grossed out by cockroaches? Oh yeah, every bug basically. Huh. I weirdly like don't mind them. I yeah I try to avoid them yeah. given the opportunity. Yeah, everyone like I go through phases of about six months where I don't think the Bay Area has spiders and those phases just are the winter months Oh, huh. Mm-hmm. where like the spiders are I guess they're in hibernation or something and then one morning and Shalob then they, they just, just wakes you up by tapping you on the shoulder and saying make breakfast <laughs> hey buddy move over <laughs> <laughs> this morning there was a spider just hanging out like I woke up and I was I was kind of like I was on my phone checking Instagram or whatever and there was a spider that crawled on the ceiling and stopped like right above my head. And I was like, I was staring at it, waiting for it to go, like keep moving. Mm-hmm. And it just hung out there. It was contemplating whether to just jump on your face Ex- or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like every bug wants to go into my ear. I know I've, I've told Riff and Kevin this story before, but I don't think that you were around for it. There was a time when I was in high school uh, and my dad and I had moved to the city in Arizona where we moved to from Illinois ahead of my mom because like dad had gotten a job, but mom was still working on getting one out there. And we had not like furnished the house that we had moved into yet. We hadn't brought any of our stuff from Illinois. So dad and I were just sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags. And I woke up one morning and opened my eyes and I was like, what is Oh, wrong. I do remember this story. My and I realized that what was wrong was that there was a daddy long legs that was like, I was wearing like an eye patch. Right. <laughs> it just had ah! a leg on every side of my eye. Oh my eye. God. Heard this one. <laughs> that, is, that is the worst. <laughs> Jesus. I'm, I guess I'm the only one who remembers this story. <laughs> they're, uh, they're harmless though. They're like. They're not harmless when they block your vision. Well, <laughs> you no, stumble into a wall. You could have died. Of your if you, what if you had been driving when you woke up? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that reminded me for uh, for reasons that are, will be meaningless even if I explain them. Uh, one of the things that I did while I was in Arizona was I saw a thing that uh, Roy, who some listeners might remember from Advice Hot Dog, was working on. Um, the the some department at ASU has been tasked with making the idea of Mars colonization and exploration more interesting and exciting and palatable to the public. And the way that they're doing this is by building some sort of like interactive experience thing. And Roy is Roy has been tasked with building out a like research station, like a Mars deployed research station inside uh, like a 20 foot trailer. And cool. it is fucking great. It is going to be so, so good. Awesome. When it, right, like the point at which I saw it, like he's he's not responsible for the actual like experience that you'll have going through it. Like he just got the specs and like it was kind of interesting, like because it's a public project, either there are extra requirements or there are just more people who are aware of the requirements. He was like, this is the space, which is like the bathroom and also just happens to be like big enough for a wheelchair to turn around in. Like there were all of these considerations for like making this kind of weird tight quartered explorable space into a thing that was wheelchair accessible. Um, But right now it's all just like plywood and two by fours building out. But like he was describing where all of the monitors were going to be and where all of the 
like you know it's like and we've decided oh well the conditions are too harsh for there to be like glass so all of the monitors are just going to be attached to cameras on the outside so that you know it doesn't you don't have to like create the illusion of looking out a window with a with a monitor which wouldn't work um but they have a they have like a vacuum forming they have a vacuum table in the shop there so it's actually going to be like this mass effect looking thing where it's built out but then all of the walls get covered with like formed plastic panels with like the you know the research group's logo embossed in them or whatever like it's a that's cool like ah man this is he the way that i always wanted to make video games when we were growing up roy always wanted to like make movie sets and mm. this is the, why didn't he end up in Hollywood? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I think I went to LA with him once, and we both hated it. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. This is this is the closest thing that I've ever known him to get paid to do to the thing that he like would have said was his dream job in high school. And it's like it's very exciting to me, both because I'm happy for him that he gets to do it, and also because it seems like it's gonna fucking rule. Um, yeah, that sounds it really be, cool. I told them, I told them, like, when they, if they decide they're going to throw this away, you should see if they will sell it to me to build a room escape oh, it huh? when it's, oh, when the project is over. Escape from the Mars Research Station? Yeah. It's, yeah. Nah, if, man. If they want to get people excited about going to Mars, they should really be putting cool shit like that on Mars. <laughs> okay, right. Like, we just, buried a million yeah, dollars on Mars. On Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess that would probably get a. Wow. That would, if we buried a million dollars on Mars, that would probably be worth it for an individual citizen to build a craft <laughs> capable of getting to Mars, so that he could get that million dollars. We we buried we buried like a pound of gold, uh, a, a USB stick with a hundred Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> like a, a, a new Wu Tang album that yeah. there's only yeah. one copy of. Yep. And a Tesla. is that government property at this point? <laughs> Does NASA own that? Mm. Uh, the government owns it. The FBI owns it. I think is, uh, they're is the same thing, right? Yeah, FBI and NASA. It didn't somehow get to Kim dot com through some <laughs> legal gymnastics. <laughs> what have you been up to, Riff? Um, nothing special. I was going to go see Incredibles two, but I decided to do it next week instead, so it wouldn't be busy. That's a terrible story. Yeah, I uh, okay. Uh well, I mean this is getting into games a little bit, but I played some Charterstone. Oh yeah? Yeah, I I super love seeing what legacy games do, oh. so I I bought it even though I like suspected it wasn't going to be very good to play solo, but it turns out it's really good to play solo. I am so excited for some things that are going to happen for you. <laughs> I, oh yeah, I'm only up to game 4, so it mm. it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting already but yeah you didn't bother to learn how the automata rules work for when there's not a player Do, mm, can yeah. you kind of give us a i've been playing um i've been playing two real characters and two bots and and it, it works out fine with real characters because there's no uh there's no concealed information and the characters don't really interact so it's easy to just try and win with both of them uh, how are you are you dicking over the other real player on there's, your turn? There's, I, I, uh, there hasn't really been a lot of opportunity for it because the, the two engines that there are the engine that each character is working with don't really conflict. But, but I have, I have been like being mindful of like, 
not avoiding dicking over the other character, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah, that's good. Um, so if you're playing with fewer than six people, how do how does that the work? okay? So if the uh, the characters that are not being played, even even by bots, um, they get uh, I think starting with the second game, uh, you automatically just put down a building in their zone. Like the, officially, you just you draw draw through the card deck until you find the first unplaced building and stick that down. Uh, I mod I I I house ruled it a little bit so that I I look for uh, I look for the first unplaced building of that of, their of that thing. tech tree. Yeah, yeah. So that sense. it's so, so yeah, like it's so it's thematic. thematically appropriate. Yeah, yeah that's that's and that I, seems like how they would want to do. I it. do yeah. wish at the at the end that we had all had a chance to. I did a similar thing. I did a trees. similar thing with the bots because the bots have a deck of cards that that they draw from to say what their turn is going to be, and occasionally it's a build a building or un uncrate a an already built building, uh, and and they get those by just going to the random deck. Uh, but somebody on Board Game Geek uh, suggested the house rule of allowing the bots a a one card. Uh, hand limit of so they can hold one building card and one crate card um, max and then they they build or uncrate from their hand before going to the deck so they t they have a tendency to stay in their tech tree as well so so they uh they stay thematic that's good yeah, and, and it uh it, it works out pretty nice it's a pretty good game and it, I I am really bad at um worker placement games so playing it solo and being able to like sit and take 10 minutes if i want to to decide what this turn should be <laughs> i'm 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 enjoying it a lot more without the pressure of everybody staring at me <laughs> you know something that you might like um that i actually found to be pretty fun to play solo is uh the caverna two-player variant hmm. uh it's just called cave to cave i think um it is, it's got just a good set of solo rules and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's got a, it's, uh, yeah, Caverna. It's, it's by the Agricola guy, Uvi Rosenberg. Um, but they, so they made Agricola and then they made the two player version of Agricola, all creatures great and small, which was pretty good. We, we've only played it once, but, but it was, it's just a very tightly balanced worker placement game. Caverna is, is like both more straightforward and way more sprawling and intimidating than Agricola, but the two-player variant on it is really good. Cool. I, I, uh, I think it's cave versus cave, not cave to cave. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a like a website, like a dating site for bats. Or like a 90s <laughs> boy band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's, uh, for uh, bats. that's pretty yeah. <laughs> It's very high-pitched. Humans can't hear them. <laughs> Dogs go crazy for it, though. What about you, Jim? What have you been up to? I want to talk about a uh, product that I've been using for the past few months that I'm very still still very excited about. What is it? Uh, so I've had a um, kind of an abusive relationship with belts all my life. Just kind of a very negative experience, like an Opus Dei kind of thing. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Self-flagellating. With like oh spiked yeah, spiked belts. No, more like you know, I 
squeezing my guts out. Is Opus Dei like the work of God? Like, like it is. You're implying that you're doing the work that God would be doing if He were here to kick your ass. <laughs> I don't know why it's called that, but that's the like, that's the like sort of quasi secretive sect that gets used a lot in like Dan Brown style. I see stories. What 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 is your issue with belts? Uh, they are uncomfortable. I see. Uh, they're not meant to be comfortable, are they? I well, that's if so, then they are succeeding at their design <laughs> okay. goal of making their wearers uncomfortable. Um, well, well do you mean because of like finding the right hole for your size? No, or? I mean like all day walking around with like my 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 waist being squoes. Okay, it's 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 not pleasant. Um, have you like have you uh, do you try like elastic waistbands instead of belted waistbands? Well, I, I'm about or to talk about nice, what I'm doing rope. now instead. Okay, which is uh, I am wearing. I am currently you can't see. I'm wearing suspenders. Oh, clever! Oh. Yeah, under suspenders. Under I don't. I yeah, they're under the shirt suspenders. You uh, you you don't have to like dress like a. a like, like a, a 20s newsman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to wear to wear suspenders. You don't have to like tuck your shirt in. Moving to talk about what's happening down at the races. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's true. On the rare occasion that I wear a suit, I wear suspenders with it. And they're pretty comfortable. Right. I, I recently, I've been watching The Good Place. And I just got to a part where Ted Danson's character has always wanted to try out suspenders. And when he does, he says, he's delighted. And he says, they're so dumb. Worse than belts in every way. <laughs> Do do you not find so I wore suspenders when I when I was basically doing twenties cosplay to go to the speakeasy, oh. and I found that it was worse than a belt in terms of keeping my pants up, and uh -huh. significantly worse than a belt in terms of I had to really pay attention to where my nuts were all the time because <laughs> what? the crotch of my pants was right up as high as it could get. Uh, that, that, maybe you just needed adjusting like them. Better. You're saying the opposite because it sounds. If you have to you have to keep like worrying about your pants riding up too high, that seems they're keeping up keeping your pants up really well. Well, yeah. that's but, so when I say it keeps them up worse than a belt, I mean it keeps them up in a way that is uncomfortable instead of a way that I've just gotten used Did to. Did you try loosening the suspenders? Dude wearing a belt for forty years, uh, then I felt like my pants were falling down. Did you try not believing in them? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see. So <laughs> maybe I just disbelief. wear heavier pants than you do. <laughs> yes. Very good. Right? Yeah, maybe. It's do you, so if you were to describe, I mean, it's a family podcast. Oh yeah. But if you were to describe the relationship between the sharp part of your pants and your uh -huh. balls right now. Right now? Yeah. I mean, the sharp part of your pants. Yeah, the part of your pants that can hurt your balls. I mean, I'm sitting down, so it's actually like the, the suspenders themselves are irrelevant to that. They don't continue to pull up while you're sitting. I mean, I just I adjust my pants when I'm sitting to to a sitting comfortable position. Wait, you have to like adjust your pants every time you sit down and stand up. Yeah, I've always. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm you do that guy, thing dude. where you grab your you gotta, pants above the knees and drag them up a of, little bit as you sit down, right? What? No. I mean, what, what am I, mean, I your, no, am I I mean, your dad? When, I mean, I don't mean you specifically. I mean, like, when you're wearing those kind of suit pants, that's that's the motion you make that people make when 
when they sit down wearing those kind of pants. And, uh huh. Yeah. I do not do that. I rely on the silken fabric to slide right up my knee like the hand of a tentative lover. <laughs> <laughs> silken lover. <laughs> uh, if I were standing up, um, I could. I, could, I guess I could just try it. Should I? <laughs> All right. Here I go. Yeah, yeah. I, I want the I want the your nuts the versus the sharp part of your pants. Yeah, report. like I don't know. There's probably like an inch or two. Yeah, it does not look like they're being they're like riding up. Yeah, this may be the weirdest conversation we've ever had on this podcast. I'm I'm and I'm proud to have done it. You like them though? You're gonna stick with this? Oh yeah, I've been I've been doing it since GDC. Wow. And uh, really, I, are you also wearing an under hair fedora? I am. <laughs> I've got a whole. Uh, like Victorian London outfit, under, like a vest and a cummerbund under my shirt. <laughs> you can just Velcro it off when you. Well, no, no, yes. that's just, just oh, for man. me. I just just, just rip it off inside. like a ma- gotcha. rip your upper layer off like a marathon runner, and you've got a full Regency outfit underneath. <laughs> yeah, it's good. What What about you, Kevin? What horrible things are we about to learn about you? Uh, I went to go see Incredibles two already. Good. Uh, it was fine. It's, did you have a seizure? I did not. I didn't. I honestly didn't. Oh, I guess. Okay. <laughs> oh, now in, maybe you in, did. <laughs> no, no. In retrospect, I do now understand what where that was coming from, but I was sort of waiting for full screen strobing effects, and there are definitely flashing lights, but I, I would not have realized that that was what, what was portrayed in that film was enough to be mm. difficult for people with, uh, mm. like seizure disorders and stuff. I have a lame question as I've, I've seen some stuff on the internet that has made me worry as like card carrying SJW cucks. Are we supposed to not like Brad bird now? I don't know. Is, is he been called out in the me too movement? No, he's just been, he's like, it seems like Brad bird has gotten into like, uh, Matt stone and Trey Parker, territory in terms of being hassled about being super like yeah, meritocracy so, libertarian in his I don't know um I don't know about the overall uh zeitgeist about Brad Bird but I did find the politics of the Incredibles pretty gross so like that doesn't surprise me at all the original uh, one or of the, the new of one? the first one the original one i don't remember much about it can you can you uh, the the bad guy was the guy who was trying to um bring superpowers to the people at large so that nobody would be special was his right. particular yeah, line. And the, the yeah. idea is that like oh it, it's important like the, the, what the heroes were defending were the idea that sh- some people should be way better than others because that's what makes them special. Also, the fact that society at large was pushing down the folks that had uh, special abilities. Yeah, yeah, that's another aspect of it. That that that. I wonder if there is a sense in, in Brad Bird's life that they've been repressed by the by society at large because they're they, they're so talented. Yeah, and it's interesting that like the movie equates those two things. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I always kind of did feel that that sort of political lean to the original was was uh, a little gross, but that just the action and storytelling of it made it my favorite Pixar movie. Oh yeah, it's a very wow, really movie. Yeah, it like went in one eye and out the other for me. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. I also didn't find it to be 
particularly remarkable. That's I, I'm surprised that you like that over things like Ratatouille or Wally. Or yeah, Ratatouille. I feel like Ratatouille was, Wally. I I would put Wally up there with it. I I would have to watch them both in a row to to really decide between them. Uh, hmm. But Wally, I thought the first part was like moody and fine and cool, and then I when once it, it got was to like, space. yeah, once it got to the like you know sure. just sort of. Once it made me look at a bunch of fat people, I was like, no <laughs> thanks, movie. Uh, it, but it just, it it kind of had the Super Troopers office space problem of like, all right, you had a very powerful first gimmick act to, mm. to, to, to play with here, and you did a very, very good job of exploiting it. In this case, the gimmick being like a really nice aesthetic, Right. And then and once, like no dialogue. Yeah. Too, and then is. once you actually told a story, it was like, ah, okay, mm. this is just a kid's movie now. Like if it had just, that's been, how like, I feel about up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I just, the, I found the, the opening part of up so affecting and so depressing that I stopped watching it at that point. <laughs> so like th- my only experience of up is the, my wife died montage and it seems like that's probably fine. Like, I don't need some uplifting story about yeah. some Cubs, Cub Scout. Um, yeah. The dog that has the collar that lets him talk is pretty good, though. Yeah, know. the, 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 the dog is basically the best part of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. What about the Iron Giant? Is there... Is there anything bad uh, about is the that politics also Brad of the Bird? Iron, isn't uh, it? Uh, yeah, it is. I, I've never seen it. Oh. Oh. That was real good. That is a, let's see, that's a thing that was, that is a giant weapon that doesn't want to be a weapon. Everybody, and nobody that just wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. the kid that knows it. Yeah. <laughs> it just, he just wants, he just wants to make out with Jackie. And she won't make <laughs> out with him because she thinks he's a weapon. He's not a weapon, damn it. Just if you just read the Fountainhead, you would understand where I'm coming from here. It, you, you, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking about how it it does seem like a persecuted Ayn Rand. Like like I could see a lens through which you talked about the Incredibles as like a this is this is the world that happens when you don't let libertarians do the or not libertarians uh, objectivists objectivists. Thank you. Do do the right thing or whatever. Yeah. Right, when your answer to who is John Galt is nobody. Right. In prison. I've never read any Ayn Rand. I don't actually. Really? Yeah, I'm just sort of huh. like. Did you read Ayn Rand? Yeah, I read Fountainhead. It's kind of insufferable. It's it's real bad. Uh, as is a as like a piece of fiction. It's it is. As a as a political manifesto, it's top notch. <laughs> well, no, but it's that's the thing. It's it is trying to be a political manifesto in a fiction wrapper and doesn't really succeed particularly well in being either. And so, eh. Uh, I also watched the final episode of Sensate on Netflix. Have you watched? Have you watched? I've not Sensate seen any of it. Uh, that's the like Wachowski's new project. Um, I, I think it is worth watching because the characters are really good and compelling. The story doesn't end up really being all that great. It's very much like a a lost in that kind of way. Or if you're not into who the characters are, there's very little point in watching the show. Do you think they knew where they were going with it from the beginning? Or? No, I think they had. I think they had a cool framework and a really neat idea for like a 
a sort of setting, but it like starts to just kind of go off the rails, especially in the second season. Kind of feeling that way about Westworld. I don't have the sense that it's building up to anything that I trust. I appreciate what because I feel like they had to like figure out how to take this take it the stakes up a notch or right. whatever. Once it was successful and they got a second season, yeah. I, and I I feel like they have done a good job of like being like, okay, well, let's what could this actually have been? I worry that we're in for a for a huge cliffhanger on Sunday mm. that doesn't really resolve or affect anything else that's happened in the story. And is, then is that going to be the last? That's probably, probably the last probably, episode of season yeah. two. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. The first season was ten episodes, and this Sunday is episode it, ten of the second season. It, like, it's okay because they ha- like I am still drawn along by the fact that they have multiple timelines, and this time they're way more explicit about it. But it's super unclear what's like how they link up and that's going to be, it's going to be satisfying to understand that. Right. Yeah. Um, even if it does, even if they don't resolve the full story, uh, yeah. I want to know what the other parks are. <laughs> I see a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, I saw hereditary last week. Yeah. You were really effusive about it. Did you not like it? I did not particularly like it. Huh. I like the first hour and then I felt like it kind of started going crazy. Hmm. Um, like Get Out, I think, was a p- particularly good sort of psychological thriller, uh, scary movie for me. And this was not. What's the connection with this to Get Out? Same it's director? Just, no, no, no. Not Isn't at all. It, no. I thought it had somebody in common. Uh, no, because uh, Jordan, Jordan Peele did. Oh, he directed. Maybe it has like a producer in. Oh, it might. Yeah, this this was. It's just an. It's just another modern sort of scary movie that came out. Uh, and Zach was talking about how this is like a golden age for. Um, I mean, I think, and I believe that that's true. Even if you don't think that Hereditary was very good, I think there's been so much good horror in the last like three or four years Hmm. that I don't remember there being in the three or four years before that. Did you like The Witch? I did, yeah. See, I also thought that was kind of a letdown. Like, it spent a lot of time sort of trying to build up to something, and then it was, like, mediocre what it built up to. And that, that also is kind of what it felt like. Similar, I mean, yeah. Like, the so Hereditary does, I, I, I think, I would agree with you if you criticized it for falling down a little bit in, the, like, the last couple minutes. I don't like, like 30 or 40. No, really, though, I, yeah. I kind of I feel like it was it was building up to something and it felt like it really trusted the audience to understand what was going on. And then it was like, oh, by the way, here's what's going on, audience. Like, I'm just going to I'm like, going to recite the plot out loud. There were like three or four really cool vectors that it was like dangling in front of you as potential like horror manifestations or whatever. And then it just picks one at like 90 degrees to all of those. And oh, huh. I just was like, I'm curious okay. to talk to you off uh, offline. Yeah. About we're not going to spoil where everything. I thought it was going. Cause I mean, to me, the, the, the one place where it fell down a little bit was it's like, okay, this thing that's clearly been happening the entire time that hasn't been explicitly spelled out instead of just letting it happen at the end and showing it to you, they just literally, t- they literally yeah. have a character explain it to you in. It's like someone who's off screen. It's basically like the Harrison Ford voiceover. Like it feels like a thing that they added because test audiences didn't, didn't understand what like was the, going the on. So they just added a character off screen talking to the character that was being pictured. I didn't mind that. I thought that was okay. Uh, but yeah, like 
we'll we'll talk about it when we're not going to spoil it for everybody. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about video games? Yeah, okay. I guess. Hey Riff, have you played any? Uh, the only the only new thing I played, and it's not even really a new thing. I played the iPad. I played like two games of the iPad implementation of a board game, uh, called Suro, T S U R O. The game of huh. the path. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. As it's a, a it's a really good player game play. or multiplayer yeah, it, game. Uh, single player. It has bots, and they're they're pretty okay. reasonable. Um, like AI. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I guess for anybody that doesn't know it, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of like, a like a board game version, multiplayer board game version of Pipe Dream, I guess. You, you've got like a square grid and you're a pawn that starts on one edge of the board and you're putting down square tiles and each tile has like, Multiple paths. Yeah, multiple it. paths that like like if if each side of the square has two, you know, uh, uh, path entrances on it, then each tile has a different arrangement of connections between those eight in and out spaces. And so you you on your turn you put a uh, a tile down next to your pawn, and your pawn automatically moves along. Uh, whatever path is therefore created until it hits another tile edge. And your goal is or to- Or another pawn. Or another pawn, yeah, in which case, I guess those- I don't know how it works in the original the, board game, but- They both lose. Yeah, they both- Okay, yeah, that's what happened here. Both pawns get annihilated. So the goal is to avoid that and to also avoid going off of the board until all the tiles are used up, and then your score is based on how long of a path you traveled with, I guess, bonus points for the number of times that your path crossed itself. Wait, but it's not... Huh. Who... Because it's not possible to stay on the board forever, right? Like, uh, eventually... It's not, not possible to do anything forever. There, there's a there's a limited number of tiles and a limited number of board spaces. So yeah, it, it's possible to keep curving around. Well, but uh, if, like, until the uh, end. Well, okay, but then on that final tile placement, you will shoot off the board because there's no way to like create a loop. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, staying on the board until the end. Then yeah. Wait, is this the game we played about being like a pilgrim in Japan? No, that okay. is different. Uh, what is that one called? Takedo or something, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Tsuro is, it's super simple. It's, I, yeah, I actually really like it as like a, as like a very quick to pick up game if you want to play a game in like 15 minutes with people who don't, like you don't want to have to teach rules to gotcha, yeah, anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you it's, can, you it's, can also play uh, with like up to eight players or something. It's, yeah, it's it yeah. scales really well. It, it, the, the version on iPad offers, um, up to three bots, I think. I have, well, it, it might let you do more than that. I did not try assigning more than one pawn to a bot. When so you evolve into your final that. form, are you just going to play board games and computer games where no one is playing? Yeah. <laughs> so there. Actually, speaking of somebody <laughs> on uh, somebody on Board Game Geek, I couldn't read the thread because they were posting images and it would have been spoilers. But somebody did a Charterstone game with six bots. Oh, huh. just to see what would happen. <laughs> that was that was That's where I found cool, out actually. about the uh, about the option of of letting letting bots keep a card so that they would stay in their tech tree. But yeah, that is uh, uh, when I when I finish the game, I want to go back to that thread and see what happened because that sounded pretty weird. 
can I ask, uh, without spoiling it for people who haven't played, what uh, what color you are playing? Uh, I am playing uh, uh, blue and green, so iron and wood. And then okay. the, and the bots. So like two two different corners, or yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And and the bots are uh, the the bots are clay and wheat wheat yeah okay so you walt, just gave them the, walt the other wheatman corners. is what i called him <laughs> <laughs> okay that's pretty good yeah yeah and My, i think i was old jeff i was wheat and i, I was old jeff <laughs> and i named my charter glutenberg yeah <laughs> I, I was the i was the coal baron nice colorado they get some surprising stuff I've been, I didn't I've been play this game, I, and I hate puns. I, yeah, I like that. I, 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 the how can you hate something you can't see? Yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> like hating cancer, or <laughs> or the Invisible Man, <laughs> or poison. <laughs> you can see both cancer and poison. Those are no, things that you could like. Carbon monoxide. Not if you're cancer blind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Pisces blind. It's Ooh. weird. I just. Like a twelfth of the population. Yeah, I just see you just like a twelfth fewer people than most people do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Because what's like, like I'm, I'm guessing that the the zodiac signs are unevenly distributed because of like all the extra spring fucking that goes on. Okay. Birth rates are variable over time, right? Predictably in throughout the year, I think. That makes uh, sense. We need to do some research. We should. We should. Yeah, there's always a spike in people who are born after Valen, like nine months after Valentine's Day. Okay. And nine months after the Super Bowl. And a power outage. And Sh- look. And the Super Bowl. I was kidding about the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you're thinking of like the water pressure dropping because every, everybody flushes their toilets at once. I <laughs> so. I if everybody my, in China jumps up and down at the same time. One yeah. of my proudest moments was my history teacher in seventh grade talking about the strain on the water system from like a sudden spike in usage at a specific time at during a specific event and asked the class, like, does anybody know why this happened? And I said, is it because everybody got up to go to the bathroom at the same time during the first commercial break? And then he was disappointed that he didn't get to reveal <laughs> that. I'm like... Nice. I disappointed you, Mr. Tolbert. By being <laughs> How smart. dare you give me an education <laughs> that prepared me for this question. Good job. No, Mr. Toller. Not Mr. Tolbert. The fuck am I thinking? Uh, I can't remember any syllables from any of my teacher's names. Wait, really? I'm trying to think of one. Mr. Lechuga. Yeah, I, I remember my second grade math teacher's name was Mrs. Broccolilli. But only because that's such an unusual name. Wow, do you guys seriously not... So I had Mrs. Easton, Miss Wolf, um, Mrs. Breer, Mrs. Teague. Fuck. So wait, uh, but... I know like, I know my <laughs> high school drama teacher's name, but I, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> uh, uh, was it John uh, Para? Because that was my Polonius. high school teacher's name, and that would be weird. <laughs> He was teaching in two different Mr. schools Slover across the country. Was fourth grade. Uh, so you remember every Ms. teacher's name, Miss Kincaid, from growing grade. up. Ms. That's Mister. That's ridiculous. Mister Wood was sixth grade, and then in seventh grade we'd split up into multiple teachers per class. And I, there's probably a lot of those that I don't remember. But like, I, seriously, you spent nine months with this person. Yeah, 
Casuccio. Like seeing them well, and this is Casuccio was day. Like you really I, don't remember the names of I, your... Oh, I didn't talk to my teachers. Yeah, I didn't interact with my teachers much. Like especially in grade school, I was like they would post the homework on the board and I would do it in the first 15 minutes of the day and then I would just spend the rest of the day reading books. And they didn't yell at you for that? I had done all the work. Well, like, yeah, that never helped me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I was in a very I had a very weird education Maybe up. I do have a good memory. You, people always tell me that I do. You remember uh, that we have told I don't remember who it is that told me that. Yeah. Yep. What uh, what have you been up to uh video game wise, Zach? I played so the biggest like new thing that I've played that anyone would care about is uh Vampire, the don't nod oh, game. Yeah. Um so it is it has been described as a spiritual successor to Mas- Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which is the thing that excited me about it. Um it is I don't exactly know how to describe it. Like it has got some action RPG immersive simish elements, but they are very heavily constrained by it also being fundamentally a narrative game. Like you are a doctor who wakes up as a vampire in London during, I don't know, vampire times and the game, this is it. This is a thing that, like this experience that I had, I think encapsulates what I kind of feel like is, is wrong with the whole experience from my perspective. It tells you in the beginning, the, the difficulty of this game is controlled by your behavior. The more people you kill, the harder the game will be. And then it has you waking up as a vampire in this corpse pit. You go through like the opening cutscene that's like tragic and introduces you to the fact that you're a vampire. And then you have to like escape from these vampire hunters to like what I hoped would be to open up the world and start the video game portion of the video game instead of the just like tutorial movie. And I ran past everybody because I didn't want to kill anyone because when you kill people, it makes the game harder until I finally got to a point where I was like in this like Victorian foundry warehouse building and there was no way for me to get go forward from where I was like it's it was just like a sort of a complicated hallway that looked like an open city and there was just a door that was locked. And the way that you open that door is to kill two of the three guys that are in the room fighting you. No, it just the icon on the door turns from red to white when you kill one of the guys. It is not because one of them was carrying a key or because it it is literally just a plot gate that is to it is like the doors in the Legend of Zelda that open Uh. when you kill all the Zoles or all the gels. And it turns out it's when the game says killing people makes the game harder. They're not talking about those people. They're talking about people with names. Oh. And it's like such a crazy disconnect between like, they do a pretty good job with the named people. Like they're they're The people are worth a certain amount of XP for killing them. Right. They also like block off a lot of, plot options later like you pick who to kill like i think the way that this game is supposed to work is that you're supposed to meet these you know 
64 people or whatever that are characters in this city that are all interconnected and have relationships with each other and have all these dialogue trees that you can explore to learn different things about them. The more you learn about them, the more experience points their blood becomes worth. Oh, wow. But the more you sort of care about them probably. Huh. And to, I mean, in theory, you maybe learn that some of them are real pricks and the world would be better off if you killed them. I haven't gotten to that point yet. But like huh. the just infinite respawning armies of vampire hunting Knights Templar dudes that you kill don't matter wow. at all. And they don't like they don't they weren't sort of aware enough to distinguish between those people in a way and, and message that in any kind of meaningful way. That's... And it's like, I, I mean, I get the reason that I know that it works the way that it does is from reading reviews right. of it that also kind of criticize this. And so it's like, well, huh. so now it's like, well, the game is going to be harder if I don't kill some of these characters that I've gotten to know. And it's also like, it's it's got that sort of problem that a game has when it tries to be an open world systems heavy RPG, but really doesn't want to deal with the writing workload of letting you encounter anyone in this entire open world in whatever order you want. Right. So there's so much quest gating of just doors that are just locked until you do the right thing in the plot and then they're instantly unlocked. And it's Ugh. not it's not because you found a key or because of anything that made sense or because of like a bridge that was closed until you slept until Saturday when the bridge fixing crew arrives or whatever. It's just like man this like would have lazy, been not lazy it's not but... lazy well it, it no it's not it's not even remotely lazy right it's just it's that this game is trying to be too it's trying to be good at being two games hmm. and as a result of the intersection of two 70 percent games it's 1.7 times 0.7 game like the dialogue stuff is interesting like it seems like the like the different characters in the different regions of the game can like systemically get sick with different diseases that they can get and then you have like different cures that you can discover and like medicate them through a very confusing interface that i still don't really remember how to do even though it was tutorialized and like then that changes like you get new dialogue options for having like cured them of the of whatever affliction they were they were down with or you know you like and also they're worth more experience points to kill them if they're but I couldn't even, even when I was like, all right, I'm probably not going to play this anymore. I'm just going to start killing plot characters to see what happens. They all had a higher mesmerized level than I had. And I don't know what it, the game never told me how to increase my mesmerized level. Like none of the skill trees let me spend experience to, to increase that. It's like their level goes down as you as they get to know you better like the more they trust you the easier it is to trick them into like going into batman detective mode and figuring out where the plot relevant space that you're supposed to kill them is okay but i never ran into anybody after the first the, there's the first guy they offer you to kill and i was like i'm gonna choose not to kill this guy because then somebody will bring me even more adam the next time i find a vending machine <laughs> But that didn't turn out to be the case. Like, it is straight up just way harder if you don't eat people because you don't, like, level up any of your combat skills. So then when oh. you go to the combat portions of the game, you're weaker. Um, it's, like, I want so badly to like it, but it's also, it is the, like, most clumsy third person over the shoulder, like, 
there is constantly a guy in the way of everything that I want to look at flailing around like an idiot because all of his animations are completing before he does the next thing that I tell him to do. And so it just feels way ricketier than it is. Like, in in Life is Strange, which is from the same studio, you could see your person, right? Like, it was, a, it was third person over the shoulder. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, almost certain. But you weren't running and fighting people. Right. Very rarely. And it would have sucked action, action if you had been. Like, right. if you had been trying to drive that particular sloppy tank around in in a situation where there were stakes because <laughs> they're trying to plunge them into your heart yep. um, <clears throat> you as a vampire can use a wooden stake on the vampire hunters to make it so you can they're stunned so you can bite them and refill your blood meter so then you can use your blood magic um, but yeah, it's I, I. I feel pretty sad about it because, like, I would really like to. It sounds like a bunch of things that could have been great, and they had a really good vision for it, but then stumbled when they sought to actually implement it. Yeah, it kind of it kind of didn't cohere, and I mean, I kind of feel like games with a lot of story and games with a lot of systems are fundamentally at odds with each other now. And I guess it's only through experimenting with combining them that we're going to arrive at the magic solution that makes like the perfect video game and then eventually build Westworld. I really want the series that is just like the first, I think I've said this on the podcast before the first episode of Westworld, but it's just like people coming to the park and having a good time going through wild West encounters like when they there's that scene where the sort of who you learn is the protagonist character, his like shithead brother-in-law is like, don't ignore that old prospector that just came up to you about the claim he thinks he has a map to. I was like, fuck, I want to go with that dude to whatever <laughs> thing that that old prospector has for like noobs to this park. I want so badly to go along on whatever adventure that guy is the fucking guide to. Is there no Western MMO at this point? I, has there ever been one? I feel like there must be one. Wildstar? Yeah. It's like space Western, but it's not. Uh, do you, so you're up to date on, on, uh, Westworld in the background of one of the scenes during the uh, sort of long narrative sequence where uh, one of the ghost nation folks was sort of talking about their like whole story. There are a couple of guests. So there's like a, like a, a massacre going on in the foreground and in the background, there's some guests just like trying to spin a gun on its like trigger thing. <laughs> like uh, that's that is nice, that's, that's exactly nice what like it would be like they would just be ignoring all of this like right. carnage yeah, the, and stuff the one thing that so they Ill. don't show in any of the like park during its salad days scenes is all the dipshit <laughs> yeah. that would be there. <laughs> because like twenty thousand dollars is a lot of money but i know a lot of dipshits that have twenty thousand dollars to yeah. spend on like one day at a real good amusement park like <laughs> mm. uh i also played a game called paratopic which is from some people whose names I don't remember that worked on some other things. Who is 
I want to say that you follow, it's at Oysterfake on Twitter. It's a woman in games who I think is the lead on this project. I, when I, when I looked her up based on the credits of this game, there were a bunch of like followers, you know, oh, all these people that you respect. This must be somebody that's worth following on Twitter. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know who you're talking about though. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Paratopic is like a, it's like a sort of a if like did David Lynch made a Thirty Flights of Loving. Oh, uh, I think I heard about that. It's a sort of gross vignette based. It, I described it as being very confidently paced, and I will give you a single example from very early in the game of what I mean by this. There is a section of it where you're leaving your apartment to go do this like sort of evil job that you've been tasked to do or this, you know, theoretically evil job. Um, it's evil in a like, you know, if you were like a character in Dark City, like this would be a thing that you'd be in the middle of doing and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you leave your apartment and then the next vignette is you are just standing in this room waiting for like and there's an elevator button that you can push and then you have to wait for the elevator to arrive and between pushing the button and the elevator arriving i'm guessing maybe like two full minutes pass where you have nothing to do except like watch the little needle go down and there is a cigarette and an ashtray that you can put out and that those are the only interactive things ah, in the room yeah and then there, as soon as you ste- as soon as you step into the elevator you are teleported to getting out of the elevator on the on the ground floor like <laughs> the the ride is over instantly and the wait was like way too long <laughs> like it's it's real it's I, like riff i think that you would like this a lot i i will totally um, get that after we're done with the show <laughs> yeah it's 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 like maybe 45 minutes long and there was never, there were every once in a while, I would be like, we're waiting for the elevator. <laughs> I, I was worried at times. It's like, man, what if I'm not going in the right direction or doing the right thing to trigger whatever the like next scene is? I don't actually think it matters. Hmm. Like, cause it never, as, as dumb as I am, I never got stuck in it. Like it always it was always either like clear enough where to go to get the next like scripted thing to happen. There's really good writing. The VO is incredible. Huh. Like That's it is. Rare. Yeah. And it's very, very stylized. Like it is, it is good in a way that no other game could really learn anything from. I don't think it, it's, there is, there's a lot of sections of it where you're just driving for a long time and there's nothing really happening except there's a talk radio station that you can flip to. And the talk radio station is like half a guy saying things that would be normal, except that like 90% of the words start with C (laughs) and, and like, and 40% of them are muffled to the point where you can't actually listen to, to what they're saying. Like the dial at first I thought, man, is all, is this dialogue like text to speech? Because it, it felt very like max headroomy, like just deliberately like sort of glitchy sound. Ah, man, it's, it's real good. Is this on steam? Uh, no, it's on itch. Cool. And it's called paratopic. And it's like the itch summer sale right now. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's on sale, but. I don't know. I mean, it's like five bucks. So uh, I, when I tweeted about it, I my phone fucking autocorrected it to Paratopia from Paratopic. So I cool. guess Paratopia is a word, apparently. And I'm just 
like I'm about to switch. I don't think I don't think it is. I think your dictionary, your keyboard is terrible. Yeah, I think it is. It's you know I got so fed up with the normal iOS keyboard being garbage that I installed a third party keyboard. Now I'm so fed up with the third party keyboard being garbage that it might be time to switch back to the iOS one. Um, I also I I will probably talk about this next week once I have played some more of it. But I finally got all of the parts necessary to get my GameCube. Well, my GameCube a GameCube hooked up at my house. Um, when I was back in Arizona packing up all my video games, I was like, oh, you know what? I should take all of my GameCube stuff to San Francisco in my car on this trip so that I can play through the Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door again. And I gathered up all of my GameCube stuff and realized that the one element of all of my GameCube stuff that was missing was the GameCube. Like oh. I got all the wave birds, all the controllers, all the cables, but no GameCube. And what the fuck? Do you have a regular uh, Wii? Uh, no. Well, uh, no, not not with me. Will no. we play GameCube games? Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, shit. Anyway, I bought a GameCube for like 50 bucks on Amazon, yeah. and it was fine. Oh, it it fine. got there. There it you go. got there, and I had all my you know controllers and stuff. And how, then I, how did you hook it up to a modern TV? Yeah. We, we talked about this on a podcast that we guessed it on yesterday. It doesn't look great on a new TV, uh, and I looked up new... I looked up better cables for it, and apparently Nintendo manufactured like a hundred component cable adapters for it, and you could only get them mail order from Nintendo at the time. And so now they are two hundred dollars if you want a set of component cables for your GameCube, which would only be slightly better. Anyway, it's fine. Doesn't, doesn't it have S video? My TV doesn't have S video. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I don't know many TVs that do anymore. Like I they, don't even know what uh, S video is. I just they, remember hearing that. It I had think it. it's digital. It, it looks oh. like a it looks like a it's PS2 like five pins or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like a it's like a PS2 uh, like a keyboard or Are there mouse no like converters port. for that. They're all really expensive. Huh. Like there were just no. It, you might have an easier time getting your Wii to hook up to a TV in a in a satisfying way. Yeah, I donated my Wii to Future Zapcon. I decided not to bring it out but here in the stuff that I was moving. Buy one off of eBay. That's true. Anyway, I could also just play Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door the way it is now with my WaveBird on I mean a WaveBird works with the Wii too. You but, could uh emulate it in Dolphin at ten eighty P. But I want to play it on my couch, you know, and it's fine. It's a little blurry, but I have already gotten used to it. Like I played I played like an hour of it. Um You got anyway. through the first year of the thousand years? Yes. <laughs> I love that game, and I'll and I'll I'll talk about it more if there's particular things that I feel like are worth talking about as I as I play through it again. Um, and then I played a game called Election Time, which was a game that the basic source code for it was published in the November 1986 issue of Three Two One Contact magazine. Um, I have been scanning all of the computer sections of my old 321 contact magazines so that the internet has them because that's weirdly like you would think that of all of the bullshit like Amiga enthusiast magazines that are scanned on the internet archive that 321 contact which I thought was in pretty wide circulation would be there but I guess they're not because they're not like computer magazines so they were sort of off everybody's radar but anyway I grew up in the 80s and I learned how to program computers by typing in basic source code a lot of it from 321 contact magazine which often had these uh, games uh, did you play this game back in the day did you type it in I don't remember I I thought I forgot to search Dropbox 
which has all of the old, like all of my childhood floppy disks uh, archived in a directory on my Dropbox to see if I had actually typed this in before. It only took like half an hour to type in. So in this game, you have just been elected mayor. Congratulations. And your job is to be in charge of the budget for this town for one year. And then at the end, you uh, there's an election and uh, it, you're running against the local dog catcher who uh, is, is your nemesis. And your goal is to also keep, you're a dog <laughs> is to keep your citizens happy uh, throughout the year uh, so that you will get more votes than the dog catcher gets. Um, you start out with a budget of one hundred thousand dollars, which seems like a very good year's budget for a town <laughs> in 1986 um and every year it selects from one of i think 16 data statements that are a problem that the town has and an amount of money that it is anticipated that it will cost and it asks every month rather and it asks you whether you want to spend the money to solve this problem or not that's your your the the gameplay is 12 yes or no questions. Do you want to spend this amount of money? And some of them are like, the Little League needs new uniforms. That'll be $400. The, the, you need new light bulbs and all the street lights. That'll be $800. Or the garbage collectors are on strike and demand an increase in salary. That'll be $42,000. Or the firehouse burned down. That'll be $50,000. <laughs> Shit. Right. No, I know. <laughs> they're pretty funny. Like, and here, like, I'm going to spoil the ending here. I, in dog re- catcher wins I didn't realize time. I didn't realize this as a kid. I mean, I must have read this as a kid. It was right there on the page. These were sent in by children. Oh, like this huh. game was written by a twelve-year-old. His his name was Scott Marino, and he was in Swamp Scott, Massachusetts. <laughs> it made me wish that I had grown up in the town of Swamp Zach. <laughs> um, this was and like. Maybe I was certainly I was an idiot when I was 12 years old, but there are some things in this in this game that lend it a level of sophistication that I think is surprising to me to have come out of a 12 year old. It it, it might came out se- in the, it might have been secretly written by his dad. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of parental involvement in some of these things. Yeah, it could be. Could be. I, I, I Googled him. I think I found his son who recently graduated uh, in, in finance and is interning somewhere. Uh, it's another person named Scott Marino from the same town, but who graduated from college in 2017. So I feel like that's not this kid unless he, <laughs> this kid who is now 44 years old. Right. I think he probably did not graduate from college in 2017. Um, <laughs> anyway. He did have that dream though over and over again. So every, every month you are, you say whether you want to spend the money or not. And it, so it's kind of like a push your luck game. Like you spend money when it's something cheap and you don't spend money when it's something expensive. Every month there is a chance out of 12 that you will be kicked out of office for disappointing your constituency. And that is the, it is, I think six plus the number of times you have upset them chance of getting out of a hundred uh no out of 12 oh and you you upset them that's a that's 50 percent chance it's in the first month it no 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 you it it, it's no it's not how does it i'm 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 i am describing it incorrectly i think maybe if the month is lower than that 
So I think you can't get kicked out of office in the first six months. Oh, I see. Right. And if you say no to everything, you then have a 50% chance of getting kicked out of kicked out of office the, the next month. If like if you say no to everything, you are virtually guaranteed because it's like you have to win a, a six out of 12 and then a five out of 12 and then a four out of 12 and then a three out of 12. Although I think the only thing that upsets them are the corrupt options because some of the things are like your cousin wants a job at City Hall. Your house could use a new swimming pool. You need a vacation <laughs> in Bermuda. The police want to be trained in ballet. <laughs> so those are the four I'll things. Pay for that. The two that count as corrupt out of those four are you need a, you want a vacation in Bermuda and the police want to be trained in ballet. Apparently, they don't care if you build a swimming pool or hire your cousin. Like that doesn't actually upset them. Well, they might not know it's your cousin. Right. I was thinking about that. There are the publicly available options versus the yeah. versus the right. So that's that was another level of sophistication that I wouldn't have necessarily attributed sure. to. Um I I wish I had done a better job of like looking through the looking at how the actual code worked because I was I was surprised that there were multiple things being simulated behind the scenes, right? There's like the the number of corrupt things that you've done, I think. Cuz if it's only those then it would be extremely easy to win. At the end, anybody who decides not to vote for you because of the corruption doesn't vote for your opponent. They just abstain. It just like subtracts a hundred votes from your randomly generated vote total for every time you've pissed people off. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then it just rolls how many votes you got and how many votes the dog catcher got. If you get kicked out of office, you have to become the dog catcher. So that was that was a like dun, a, dun, a, a nice little bit of irony there. It's like the um, Santa Claus. Anyway, this was, I felt, a pretty immersive simulation of... I feel like I was living in Swamp Scott. So, <laughs> it something that was interesting to me that is a thing that I feel like you would... You don't see a lot in modern rhetoric is that the public opinion about a politician does not necessarily have anything to do with the decisions that that politician is actually making, right? It's just about how they look and about what happens to have happened during their term. Mm. And that was like a weird, like, I'm pretty sure that if I did play this game when I was a kid, like 86 was an election year for my dad as sheriff. And so I was sort of like steeped in like, so it like, what's important here? Like, do you get reelected if you're good at your job? Well, so he was, no, he son. <laughs> He was campaigning for sheriff. You have to. It's a it's an wow. elected position. Like, I didn't know it, that was a thing. He was he was uh, he was appointed sheriff the, when the when the sheriff that he was a deputy for uh, re like quit and like moved on to a different job. But then yeah, he had to run for election every two years. Wow. Or maybe it was every four years. It seems like but, that would distract from uh, solving crimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was stressful. I think. Um, yeah. I, like. I wish I could talk to him about it now as an adult. I guess I could talk to mom. I mean, he yeah, must have talked to her about it. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I only vaguely remember it, right? My primary memories of it were like the extremely drunk election night parties where all of dad's friends and employees and and like associates and colleagues were at my house extremely drunk. And they were, usually everyone was drunk enough that they didn't make me go to bed. <laughs> so I actually got to see adults behaving as though like 
no one except their also drunk contemporaries were watching. So it was like, I'm going to, you know, like I saw my dad, for instance, like, you know what? Fuck you all. This is my house. And we're listening to Walk on the Wild Side eight times in a row because I like this song. <laughs> and this is my record it's a player. Good song. Like, yeah, it is a good song. Um, so, yeah, election time. I uh, I can recommend it. I, I'm going to I'll put a, a, a JPEG of the source code in uh, from the original magazine in the show notes. And then also the the is it just I, a single page. It's two pages. It's this is maybe like 40 lines of code. Wow. Is this game? Yeah. It's something that is at, like I've been looking at a lot of these not in great depth. Like I, I, I this is kind of a fun gimmick. Like I just started from the beginning of the run of the magazine that I had scans of. Like there's some gaps that I haven't filled in yet from my own like childhood collection of these magazines, which is sort of what I'm doing. I'd found an archive that somebody made in 2005 of the ones that they had. Um so I, I just I went through until I found something that was actually a game. Like a lot of the source code in here was like this makes some circles on the screen or whatever. Like it just does some like and you could learn some, you know, programming tricks or whatever from doing that. But this was the the earliest thing in the magazine that I found was like, OK, this seems like a game that I could talk about from a, you know, the way that the game works perspective. And I think I will probably keep doing this because it is interesting these things are kind of like a game in basic that is designed to be by a child. Well, designed by a child, but also made like they probably got a lot of these. Right. And they picked the ones that could be edited down to fit in the magazine mm. and be practical for a person, a different child to type in yeah. to a computer. Right. And so there is there is kind of a like I know I've talked a little bit about Twitter, which is the this site that I really like that is like demo scene twitter like yeah. you're allowed to write 140 characters of javascript and make the cool like you get a canvas and some shortcuts and like you just make like it's it's just like demo scene stuff is like hey look what i can do with a small amount of code this is kind of what's happening here it's not it's also meant to be non-obscure right this is the, the purpose of this the charter of this feature is to teach kids how to program yeah Right. And yeah. so it has to be illustrative. Right. You don't you, like weirdly, though, they don't they're not like good variable names. Hmm. Right. They're like it's, it's space. Yeah. Right. You don't want to like it, it just takes up extra space in the columns. Right. Yeah. Uh, I never used good variable names when I was writing in basic. That's just not part of the style. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. In in all of the books where they were printed, it's not, you know, making people type good variable names is, is bad. But right. it's like clearly like, you know, the, no tab completion, like it was the variables for the number of votes that you got and the number of votes that the dog catcher got were YV and DV. Uh, and they, something that was interesting, it was it was originally written for in uh, Apple Basic, and then they always had like here's a little section for the things that you have to change if it's an IBM PC or a Commodore sixty four or whatever. Hmm. The Apple version had this like suspense building effect where when the votes were tallied, it counted them up one at a time uh, in line, and it was too many extra lines of code to do that the way that you had to move the cursor around on on IBM GW Basic. Um, That's funny. There were also all these parts of it where it was like the way that you implemented a delay in basic was you just pointlessly did yeah, a for a loop. loop. I remember that. Yeah. And so it was like four X equals one to 1000 next X. Like probably that would be about a second yeah. on it. Like a four megahertz 8088. Uh, 
And I don't know what DOSBox is doing. It's too fast running on DOSBox, but it's not like way too fast. It's just running at like twice or three times the yeah, speed you can that you think they the speed that anticipated. DOSBox is is running at. Yeah, I wonder what the default is for. Yeah, that's a good question. For that, maybe like twenty megahertz or something it is maybe the default that feels I would right, yeah. that I would pick for for DOSBox. So, is the reason that you're not they're typing these instead of OCRing them is that you're using a shitty old scanner that you use for KOL art? It's a, not a shitty old scan. They still make this scanner. Now. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I tried, uh, I fed it, one of them into some online OCR thing and it OCR just the part that wasn't the code. <laughs> and I was like, mm, it would be for these purposes, because I did this this morning, it would be faster for me to type this in than to learn how to OCR it. Um, do, what do you do for OCR? I have never done it. I yeah. Just so if anybody knows a good thing that I can just drag a, a, a JPEG into, it's weirdly formatted, right? Like it, it should be three OCRable, columns, but it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's like three stuff. columns with, but weird offsets. And yeah, uh, the lines are extremely wrapped. Um, I would probably do each chunk separately, just the code snippets in what? In uh, probably in an online OCR thing. That's all I've ever used. Huh, okay. That was very, very slow. When they I often email you back yeah, stuff. Yeah. Because they need to send it to Russia to have people it. type it. Well, no, I was going to say that. Shop children type it. More so if it's got state secrets in it that they can exploit them somehow. Oh, I see. Good. Yeah. Anyway, those are those are my video games. What about you, Jim? What have you been playing? I played some of uh, Moon Crash. Prey Moon Crash. Oh, yeah. Which is... it's It's not... A, it's not a roguelike, and it's not... Uh, it's like, not more prey. It It's not more prey, but it is... It's weird. It's a weird thing. It's it's structured like... Uh, is it, it you it, from prey? No, it's... Like Morgan it, you? <laughs> yeah. No, no it's it's different characters and you unlock characters as you as you make runs. I see. I haven't done it I haven't made enough runs to be sure what the structure of the game is, but I did die the time that you're like clearly intended to be killed by by monsters that are too tough for you. Like as a, as a like a tutorial like this is how death works in this game. Um there's the framing device is that you are a uh, contractor who's been sent to um, gather data from a uh, an operator that an operator is a in-game term the for floating drone for, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the way you're you're doing this is by entering a simulation with the operator, um, and you can. Enter the simulation like it, it, the, the, your first run. You have you can only pick like one character, and you don't have any equipment. Um, and and but you can like earn like sim points by finding interesting items or finding like people's bodies and searching them, or like killing monsters and killing monsters. And you can use those to um, uh, build uh, fabrication plans that you find that you found, instantiate them as as your loadout when you enter the when you do another run. Um, and you can also unlock new characters to be when you do another run. And the game gives you like, as a contractor, you have in a list of objectives you are supposed to complete to fulfill your contract. And a lot of them are like achievement style 
things, but a lot of them are just like escape from you escape escape with each character. Like in this scenario, all the characters are trying to escape the the station um, or the, the the crashed moon pod or whatever it is. Um, but then there's also like objectives with like escaping like in various ways, and it's got some degree of environmental storytelling the same way Prey did, but it's it's definitely not like a story driven thing as far as I can tell, but I might not just not have seen enough. It's definitely like structurally really interesting. Um, it's weird, right? Like, yeah. the, like the fact that like, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I still, I don't really fully understand the structure of it. Having played, I played through it once with the first guy and then it unlocked a second guy. Yeah. And when I went back in there, it was like clearly the same rooms that I had just been in, and the stuff that I had done was still done in there. I but wasn't that sure if like that maybe would be the case or not. Not true if I had died. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm still not sure because I I died as one person or and came back as that same person, and it seemed like the things that he had looted the first time around were already looted. So I think they might stay done i'm not sure uh but i also get the impression that like um if you do poorly enough that you actually can get reset you yeah, to... like it re-rolls the world and it's laid out differently oh interesting is what uh, that was the impression that i got from from the game's messaging was that yeah it would reset the simulation and the layout of the moon base would be different right that's yeah okay. Now I'm I'm excited to play more of this to figure out what the hell it is, but it's it's super interesting so far. Good on them for doing something that was like uncategorizably weird. Yeah. Uh, and I played a game that doesn't have a name because it's it's not even in beta yet. It's just like someone's VR experiment at co-working. Um, uh, someone asked me to test their VR thing, uh, and it turned out to be nibbles but in 3d uh what is nibbles yeah i feel like i've heard that but i can't remember what the, it the is. other name for it is snake okay okay oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow everybody knows snake but not nibbles okay yeah all right um and so you you're you're in a physically in a, a space and so is this snake thing that's made up of cubes and you can point your hand in any direction to make the snake turn in that direction. And the snake actually doesn't move unless you pull the trigger, which is kind of... So it's like turn-based? Huh. It's not turn-based. It moves continuously when you hold the trigger. Okay. But uh, it doesn't move when you're not doing that because, like, aiming it is so difficult. Huh. Because, like, you... Are you... You're, are you the same size as the snake? Like, what is the... Like, what you, do you, you see? You see the snake. You are, like standing in this space and the snake is like hovering in the same space and you have to like sometimes you have to like step back to be able to see it because it's overlapping your body okay um and uh one of the first things i did was like i got i tried to like vr games will like display a, like a wireframe cage where like here's where it's safe for you to stand right and outside of that is like the actual physical barriers 
Um, and I like quickly like walked outside of those barriers where I knew it was safe to go because then I could see the whole play field at once. <laughs> um, and we definitely had a discussion about, you know, maybe this should be like a couch VR thing where you're looking at the room in front of you instead of like standing in, in the in space it. and moving around yeah. it. Um, but it was really interesting to like, I want the snake to move, you know, in a certain way. And my hand just kind of doesn't go that way because of joints. And so I had to like angle my... Because you're getting high while you're playing. Right. <laughs> because I had to angle my elbow and shoulder such that then I could point my hand in a given direction to get the snake to move in that direction. What is the... This might be mean, but like what is the value added by being in VR? So that's not really clear to me. Like this is... There's definitely a... Um, there's so I would say VR has a big problem with like any game involving motion or or like or like traversing a space because you're dealing with acceleration and you're in, which means you're dealing with motion sickness. Um right. and VR games that take an approach of showing you a diorama of like your avatar is in there um are it's a lot clearer how to approach them from a game developer's perspective, but also like it's less clear what the point is of it being in VR. Yeah, at that point, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. yeah I mean, it was neat. Like, and like, that's as far as I, that's as good as I can say about most VR things I've tried. So like, there's that. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a weird experiment of like, trying to make this snake eat the red cube, you know, and without hitting <laughs> itself and like tying itself in knots, trying to avoid itself. Um, and then after I played a couple of rounds of that, he just put it in a mode where the snake just grows forever. And then it was more like the, uh, the, I forget the name Tron. of the, the paint programs. Oh, tilt brush, tilt brush. It was like tilt brush, but with a snake. Can you traverse in 3d or just 2d? The snake. Oh yeah, it's it's fully three D. So you're so. trying to you the snake goes up and around and yeah yeah okay yeah no that that's okay that's so that is that is a value add added yeah and I guess it would be difficult to um like the VR VR lets you intuitively get a good sense of a three D space because you can look at it from all different angles without like dealing with weird camera manipulation shit has this is going off on a tangent a little bit has the Mika Kure guy thought about making it in VR I don't know because uh... maybe that is a way to visualize the 4D space like as you move through through 3D space with your head it transitions through it's you're seeing a 3d space, but then it transitions through the fourth dimension. I, I think that's worth bringing up to that. If, guy if, if his, hasn't thought if, of it. if his goal was to Mark Tenbosch, if Mark Tenbosch's goal was to even further reduce the size of his possible audience sure. for this game, he oh, could make it a five game. I mean, I feel like <laughs> this guy's been making this game for like 10 years now. I think he doesn't need to sell it to a lot of people. Right. I think he's just rich. Or has some other form of income. Um, I, I think he, 
the the goal here and the one that is at this point almost certainly not going to be met is to actually teach people to visualize 4D space. Right. Man, when I saw Alexander Martin playing something that Mark Tenbosch had like on his phone or something at Day of the Devs, like it was just this thing where you were trying to get like a ball through a hoop, but it was a 4D thing. And like seeing Alex just figure it out without my ever having like, have you ever read the short story Mimsy or the Borogoves? I no, but I think you've described this last time we talked about do it again because it's a good story. Okay, so it's this science fiction short story like from the 50s and it's just basically about this box of toys from the future gets sent into modern times and then modern the, from the 50s times the, the narrator's yeah whatever this was and the narrator's kid just plays with them and then just disappears and it turns out that the toys are just like teaching kids how to transcend three-dimensional space which is a thing that is necessary to do with kids in the far future right and yeah that, a fucking that for, fantastic premise for a that, sci-fi story <laughs> that furthermore that jabberwocky was somehow like instructions on how to use these things right which was a little i'm not sure about that because yeah. like it, i guess in this fiction it was still written in the 1800s but like you know maybe they sent one back there too i don't know anyway that was what it felt like i was like man if i were younger and smarter like alex martin is <laughs> Then I would be able to comprehend <laughs> transcend, this. Transcend yeah. space. Now I feel bad for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah. That ball through the hole in four dimensions thing was just, it might as well have just been a Winamp visualization tuned to noise. I was going to say, or like a Snapchat filter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's how I felt about, what was the... What was the game we did that was just a visualization of a 3D function? Oh, uh, new cartographer. New cartographer. Yeah, yeah, that, was, yeah. yeah. That, that was how yeah. I felt about that. I, like, I love that game. You know, good. How do you feel about Winamp visualizations? They're great. Cthuga. Yeah. Did you have Cthuga? I was just, oh, I, I love Cthuga. Cthuga. Man, that was good. Cthuga was real good for getting stoned in the 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had LSD and a copy of Cthuga, you were set. What did you uh what'd you play through it? Um considering the time it probably would have been uh like compilation albums of rave music like happy to be hardcore and stuff like that. All right. Mine was mostly 9-inch nails and fish. <laughs> Depending on who was in the room with me. <laughs> no one or anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Nine Inch Nails and Fish would be a good Neil Cicerega mashup. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also a pretty good way to get a bunch of fish stuck to your wall. <laughs> Just nail them up there with a nail. You could put nine inch, long, inch wide fish <laughs> in the same stack. <laughs> I don't know what you need. You need at least an inch of clearance for the nail to go into the wall, I guess. So like eight. <laughs> Just, I'm just picturing like the dying vaudeville comedian just like trying to make jokes out of the names of bands that he <laughs> saw in a modern rock magazine. <laughs> okay. uh, are we ready to talk about the assignment? Or no, Kevin, what did you play? I, just the assignment. Oh, so yeah. You've only played. Oh, so yeah. we're ready to talk about the assignment, Hollow Knight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really dug this. Yeah. 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 I was super into it. It got uh, it got its claws real deep into me. I think. Yeah. Everyone loves it, but me. 
You guys talk about why it's good. Okay. I think probably the reason I, 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 if like to hazard a guess, the reason I like it is the reason you don't like it. It's just because you're constantly falling off platforms and you love shitty jumping. Okay, no. I, I was assuming you don't like it because it's so wide open and directionless. That ki- That is also kind of... It, it isn't so much that it's directionless so much that it is just a... It is a tedious to complete maze that is almost entirely dead ends. Hmm. There's There is almost always something... At each terminus. Yeah, I did finally find the first boss, and I didn't... I came pretty close to beating it, but then I was like, I don't want to walk back there. It's funny that you say the first boss, because I, I don't think I have any idea. I did not which, get to the city until... the first boss yeah. yeah. It it feels like it's a game that is... There is a there is a specific modern tradition in the in the design of roguelikes, I think, that are built from the ground up to support sequence breaking if you are extremely good at the game when you say roguelikes do you mean like metroidvanias metroidvanias that's what i meant yeah (laughs) uh and this felt like one of those and in in a way that dark souls did not make me feel like this whenever i was like going the wrong direction and whenever i ran into something that was like hmm i think i must just have to be way better at the game than i am to get through this room which i guess to be fair only happened once um, yeah, there there are a lot of movement and and combat powers that you accumulate as you go. So like the at, at for when I was first playing it, uh, which was uh, a while back actually, I when I was, I, I was initially thought it was out on the Switch. Yeah, yeah, I, I was initially getting kind of frustrated uh, with a boss that I think I was stuck on, and I like complained on Twitter to uh, to friend of the show Gary Butterfield. And and he was like, if you're having trouble with any particular boss, that means you shouldn't be trying to fight that boss yet, and you should you should go somewhere else instead. And 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 knowing that, like everything opened up a lot more easily for me. Yeah, I've, I I felt there's... like there was nowhere for me to go except to the like when you buy the first map, there's a boss on it, there's a boss like labeled on it. I and don't remember which one that is. I could not figure out anywhere else to go. Like that, every other direction just led to like dead ends, like gates that were closed or like jumps that were too tall for me to make without the space. I, I don't remember whatever. now what the first hour of the game is like particularly, huh. but like I, at least where I am now, there's tons of places that could be going. Huh. I guess when you got the, what was the first map you got? Cause that's also possible that you got a different thing. Oh, I just found the guy that, but he's in the, every, the he's in every location. Crossroads. I see. Yeah. I never, I never got, out of the first map, I guess I like you got to the city somehow. I think because it's those that if you know. oh sure sure I mean I made I got through the like tutorial area or whatever that no 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 I'm not talking about the not dirt mouth or whatever I'm talking about like dirt it, mouth it, the, is a in, great name by yeah the way. it's a pretty good name yeah the the enemies that you were describing to me were are, are enemies that you first encounter outside the um, the actual like town. The like, the, the big guy with the club. Yes. No, there's one of those in in. Uh, there's two of them in the there's a, crossroads. There's, a, there's at least one in Forgotten Crossroads. Oh, there is. Yeah. I huh. I don't think okay. I ever left the place that was described as the Forgotten Crossroads. Like it, okay. the map was like a ring, and then a path leading into the center of the ring from the right to a boss icon on the map. 
but you couldn't get there from the top because you just got to a fucking gate that was closed and a lever on the other side of a switch. So you had to go all the way around. Right. That's that's that just means that that's the exit usually. Right. Yeah. But the exit is in the is in the the shortest right. Yeah, I mean, I like I didn't really give this game a chance, right? I only played it for like maybe an hour and a half, but I I achieved nothing in that hour and a half except like I, so, spending a lot of time traversing rooms that are four times as big as they should. So be. one of the things that I like a lot about this game is how it kind of walks the line between just barely being discoverable and just being in terms of. Um, I just really enjoyed like exactly how lost I got. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and be- because you, you go into a new area and you're just wandering around and you feel very, you know, kind of at sea until you start finding landmarks and especially until, until you find the guy who, who's making the map. It is, and, it is so frustrating to be able to hear him and not be able to yeah, get down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, and the fog, what the, was it, the fog area or whatever, where where you need a pretty significant late game upgrade to get to him. Oh, yeah, because right. there's that barrier. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's one of the things I like about this game, I feel like it's there's it's because it's walking such a fine line. I think there are probably going to be a lot of people for whom they're just too easily lost and it's not fun. I. <sighs> The game is so the atmosphere of the game is so oh, yeah. solid. It yeah. is so just, gorgeous. And all the characters are so cute. And like <laughs> well and well realized yeah. too. Like they 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 are all they all have personalities and some people like lie to you and do shitty things and stuff. And the game never, I think, at least screws you, although I did just get a quest that I like I got a quest and I immediately just shut my uh switch off and restarted it so that I wouldn't have that quest. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know oh. what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Uh there's a flower oh, that you were given. That. Okay. It that's 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 okay. You you if you screw that up, uh another flower is available. Okay. I thought that was a one time thing and I was like, fuck this right now. I yeah, am not no. gonna do this. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I I went in and out of being into it because, like, I I, I was I, I got pretty into it in the first couple of hours, and then I hit a stretch of I want to say like four or five hours where I I kept finding new spaces, so I wasn't like just trapped in the same area or whatever, but I didn't get a single new thing. I didn't get any new. Uh, badges or whatever those things are called charms i didn't get any new charms i didn't get any new uh, movement upgrades i didn't get any new combat abilities i was just finding new spaces and it, it just kind of weighs on you when you are like finding all of these places and you you finding all of these dead not dead ends but you're finding all of these obstacles that you can't get can't to like access jumps, yet yeah jumps yeah. that are too high or yeah. gaps i, I that are had too a wide huge um like in retrospect, I don't know why I did this with my phone instead of just screenshots, but I had a huge uh-huh. uh, directory of photographs of the map screen on my computer in on my on my uh, photos app on my phone. I don't know why I didn't take screenshots whenever yeah. I ran into something that I didn't know to get across. That would have been very clever. Like, 
I, I used as much notation. Like, I immediately bought all the map upgrades mm. with all the notation stuff. You mean immediately after spending hours it, grinding out the, the currency? The like, currency was not did not take like ah, one of the one of the early upgrades that you can get is the thing where they like the currency sort of flies to you after you kill How stuff. Do you so you get that upgrade? I, I don't remember where it was. It's 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 pretty early on. I think that's one you buy from the shopkeeper. Is it? I just like the game lost me basically at the point where I was like, here, grind some bullshit for 20 minutes to buy the UI. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, fuck off <laughs> there. Like the trade off of knowing exactly where you are versus having another useful skill is one well, yeah, that I am. I, don't I, even I have go that. I don't even have the UI equipped right now. I'm have, I have another, a different loadout. Yeah. I, I go back and forth because only, only when I am really just exploring, do I bother putting that on when I am trying to get something done? It's, it goes away and then I just have to know. Um, yeah, I, I think I am at the point where I have explored all of the map and am have like six or seven boss fights that I just backed away from. And now I have to go back and see if I'm actually strong enough to beat those fights now. Um, yeah. I, one, one thing that is maybe poorly tutorialized or maybe I just missed it is that it took me like a couple of hours to figure out that you could attack up and down. So that I was going to talk about that actually. So I didn't know that I could attack down. Right. And I got to the area with the like bouncy plants. Yeah. And, oh yeah. That's and a like, long time to figure out. Well, and so like I hit one and it bounced me away and I was like, well, oh, that it clearly wants me to go up. So is there some, and then I like jumped on it and it was, it was like a small thing. And so then I attacked down and I was like, Oh shit, that's crazy. And then you start finding all these areas that you can only get to by like bouncing off of enemies because they let you traverse long gaps. And I was like, Holy shit. Like this without spoiling it for me, I have been, this has been available to me from the beginning. Like this was yeah. mm-hmm. some, um, Steven sausage roll level of like, that's, oh shit, the game has always been this way and it's just like <laughs> unfolding yeah, in front of that me. That actually sounds really cool and I'm sad that I read about it on the internet uh, instead. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, cuz it yeah, it, like it, that you immediately you're like, well shit, now I can go back to all of these places that I just thought were impossible for me right now. Um yeah. But there are there are a lot of those places that where I guess Zach would call it a dead end where it like this doesn't go any further, but actually it's like, oh, I just need to be able to swim under this thing or I need to be able to um It this felt a lot like the original Metroid. Yeah, which, which I love. Yeah, but I loved it as a kid when I had an infinite amount of time until I died. <laughs> I don't Right, sure. Like I just like even I like when we did Metroid as an assignment, I was like, you know, I just don't have the patience for this anymore. Even looking stuff up, like, mm. I don't, like, I really liked Zero Mission because, oh, it's like Metroid, except it tells you where to go, which is exactly what I want now mm. out of a video game. It is kind of crazily large. Yeah. Like it just the, keeps The map unfolding. just keeps going, yeah. <laughs> uh, do, we, do we know how many people worked on this game? No idea. I haven't gotten the credits yet. Yeah, Every yeah. room is so much bigger than it needs to be, and it is really... It doesn't feel that way to me, but I, I I'm curious because it feels they it feels a lot like the size of the space for Metroid, right? Like I feel like I feel like this really does. This is I had not having played Dark Souls, but having watched a bunch of people play it. Like there's a bunch of 
stuff about that game that is important but is becomes just part of the lore that it's like the the campfires or whatever right like resting in benches here is the way that you save and where you return to and stuff mm-hmm. and the and like the fact that you lose a bunch of power when you are killed i have never died twice in a row without having collected my spirit and i'm guessing that that's that something about that is what that woman who talks about regrets does i think so yeah yeah if you Uh, if you if you want to if you want to get that back without having to go actually collect it is what that is oh interesting okay but but associated with that yeah it's a there's a specific item you have to pay to do it and i i'm pretty sure there's a finite number of them in the game oh and that's that thing that i have a big stack of that i have not used it yet okay for an hour and a half and i didn't know that this game had items huh yeah there there are very few of them like there are less than a dozen i think huh the charms are the thing that you collect the most of that are the most right. And like that is a great system, although I feel like they are I I, I don't know that they are strong enough. They're they're cool and ver- variable, but like I like I have tried to make a spell casting build a bunch of times and just never made something that I felt was successful. So I don't I don't know if I'm just doing it wrong or or if or you what. haven't collected the right badge yet. Yeah. That's true. How do you get anything in this game? Uh, like killing bosses. You you buy you probably buy half of the charms from shopkeepers. Um, killing a boss often gives you some kind of reward, it, but yeah. it's a lot of the, th- like, a lot of a lot of the like combat stuff. Yeah, a lot of the combat stuff and movement and upgrades are are behind bosses. Yeah. Which means that if you're not killing bosses, if you're getting to a boss and backing away, you can explore a lot of the map, uh, but not actually unlock anything. I right. would love to know what the fuck I was doing wrong in this. Yeah, like, I should. I'd like to see. I'd like to see. I'd like to watch you play for half an hour and see what what's going on. Maybe I can come over. I'd I like could to bring. I could bring my switch. We could take it to the roof. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to. Uh, there's also a a two player cooperative puzzle game that I'd like to play. Yeah, with okay. you. I man I part of part of what was bugging me about the rooms being so big is that this is another one of those games and I don't remember another specific example of this but I was I would say that 60% of the time when I tried to jump off of a platform I fell off of it instead because the it doesn't give you the enough extra space off the edge of a platform Hmm. to to jump the way that I'm basically the way that spelunky works where you get like an extra pixel or two off the edge and like so i was just constantly losing progress to falling off of platforms Mm. in areas where there was nothing you know like it there's four screens between these two enemies and there's nothing to do except walk across these four screens like and does it does it start to look different over time or is this just like am, like is my brain just broken because when i said that yoku's island express everything looked exactly the same you all looked at me like i was crazy no i agreed <laughs> you agree okay you agreed different different areas are different in different ways yeah it's it's largely very dark, different but yeah there 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 are There's a lot of overgrown lush areas yeah the different places have different 
color palettes, I guess. Would be if accurate. you think the starting area is dark, there are some much, much darker spaces. It's dark. I just think it's boring. Oh, okay. I mean, the, fir- the first area is just like a cave. Right. But it's like a friendly cave. There's some like sinister caves later. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever get to do anything with that guy crying on top of all the eggs? Yes. That's actually a that's a that's a f- super cool part of the game actually. Hmm. Yeah. Cuz it was effectively for me a giant empty room right. because there's nothing you can do in Exactly. There. And you you don't understand what you're doing there until later and then it becomes a cool thing. See. Well, guys, for next week's assignment, I think we should play something that I, we can all enjoy: Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Riff, it's out on iOS. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. So you should you should give it a try and report back. I can't back. imagine what the experience is like Just, on iOS. You know, you've Millions got the largest. Can. You've got the largest iOS, so make it That's make it a true. Thing. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and. uh and then, and uh, we're gonna team up. Zach, Jim, and I should try to squad it up. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Yeah, you're not into this idea. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've, I've when we were doing it as the assignment last time. I feel like I played enough. Oh, but you didn't squad it up. No, I didn't squad it up. Let's try squatting Let's it squat up. Squat it, guys. All right, maybe. <laughs> Can you shoot your squat mates by accident? Dude, I don't know. That, I think, I, I, believe me, I'm going to try. How could you not? <laughs> by accident? You're going to try to do it by accident. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was the cat. You don't have a cat anymore, Zach. I, uh, I know. It was my sadness. <laughs> I'm excited, actually, because I think cat. I think it could be much better with a group of small group of people than it was. Because it was not great solo. But I think it could be a lot more fun with yeah. a small group. I mean, the, the guys uh, like the McElroys and everyone that plays on Polygon seem to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, but they're the young people. <laughs> but shouldn't our, our wisdom translate to something? Like not enjoying... Uh... Yeah, deciding not to play PUBG. Yeah. <laughs> this is, we, we don't really need to do the Ascend. We've already done it. This is us talking about PUBG. I, I haven't. Oh, okay. I mean, I have, but yeah, you, you've already played it. Yeah, but you know. Anyway, we're gonna give it. We'll, Look, we'll, we'll give it a we'll go. F has not given us we'll cut five dollars an episode, out of this episode to fuck around and not play PUBG. Yeah, we'll cut the segment out of this episode, paste it at the end of the next <laughs> one, and that'll be the assignment. Time Gentlemen, emails. I've had a fantastic emails. time recording episode number three hundred and thirty-four of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon in this very spot. It is real nice to be in the room with you guys. Yeah, it is. It is nice. Yeah, it's much better. Sure is. It's good. It's good. It's going to be easier to edit. Carolina barbecue. A better report. Yeah, we got some Carolina barbecue. We've embarked on this project of uh, trying. Is that a euphemism? Yes. Try. We're going to try to go a year without eating in the same restaurant twice. On 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 podcast on podcast day. Yeah. Um. And we are in a much more densely populated with restaurants part of town now. Just our initial brainstorming of places that we knew about got us to 40. So oh, we're going to okay. be fine. Today we ate at Southpaw Barbecue. Oh, yeah, God, report back. It's, it's really good. Yeah, are there, our restaurant reviews going to be a, yeah. a new recurring That's segment? That's a good idea. 
One of the owners is named Zach. I used to play magic with him sometimes on the weekends at a different bar, which we will also eat at because they have sausages uh, <laughs> at some point. Um, it's a good uh, barbecue restaurant. They also brew their own beer and they make pretty good cocktails. Southpaw Barbecue. They didn't pay us to say this. <laughs> The number of people who are local enough to actually eat there who listen to this podcast is, is probably, probably zero. zero. Yeah. But to that zero people, how cool is this segment? <laughs> Cockabooboobalaya. Let's talk about the assignment. Have a great week, everybody. Good night, everybody.